I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite Lorecast on the Citadel. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast lore behind the Mass Effect games. I need to unmute myself. Oh, I thought I had everything set. I was so ready to go. I what? thought I was having a malfunction over there. I saw your mouth moving and I didn't hear anything. I'm so I'm so excited about this episode. That's the thing is that I'm juggling so many things because I'm so excited about this episode. And welcome back, Spectres. This is Tom or Robots. This is also N7, the legend with me, as usual. And here we are. And I'm excited because, well, we're talking about another doctor. Who are we talking about this week? So this week, I've teased it for I don't know how many weeks, and uh, listeners have let me know because they're anxious to hear about this person. Talk about Morden. Talk about Morden. While we're talking about Morden, we are now here. I know that was important, but you performed Gilbert and Sullivan? I am the very model of a scientist Salarian. I've studied species Turian, Asari, and Batarian. I'm quite good at genetics as a subset of biology because I am an expert, which I know is a tautology. My xenoscience studies range from urban to agrarian. I am the very model of a scientist solarian. What <laughs> just happened? What what just happened? They always tapped on Morden to, to do the patter songs. We'll get into why that's funny <laughs> later. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know... He's more of a research scientist than an actual physician, mm-hmm. maybe more of a singer than an actual physician, uh, <laughs> though he does <laughs> he does offer medical advice for certain situations. Sure, uh, we covered that. Still a doctor. Back. He's still a doctor. Uh, and if you want to hear some of his medical advice for Shepard and their love interest, go listen to our interview with Dr. Greg. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> we talked about the genophage last week, and now we're going to go dive into the Solarian who helped keep it deadly. Keep it. That's what I always say. Keep it deadly. Keep it deadly. Dude. I think that I think that's a thing we need to say to each other now. Like you and me <laughs> and deadly. anybody else, like anybody else that we're like cool with. We'd be like, how you doing? I'm doing well. Awesome, man. Keep it deadly. Until someone does something absolutely horrendous, and then they're like, well, he told me to keep it deadly. He told me to keep it deadly? Oh, God. Okay, maybe <laughs> maybe we don't say that. Yeah, don't go around creating genophages, please. Yeah, don't, yeah, uh, don't do that. That would be bad. <laughs> okay, so all right, so where do we start with this? I'm, I'm, I'm off. I'm off the script already. Um, where where are we at here? So okay, so okay, so let's talk. Let's talk. You spent. You mentioned gen, genophage, right? Like we know from the games that he worked on the genophage. Um, but do we get like the full story? Yes, and it's not in the games. Uh, he mentions it briefly about his work on the genophage. He gets into it a little bit in Mass Effect 2, but primarily if you want to hear the story of how he deployed and designed and deployed this modified genophage, then you have to read Mass Effect Foundation number 9. It's a comic. It's part of the Complete Comics collection. Great collection. Highly recommend it. But we'll recap what we can glean from this origin story for Morden. So do you remember Morden was in the STG, that that clandestine Solarian group? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real sketchy guys. This becomes <laughs> a relevant lens, which we have to view everything through uh, when we're talking about this story. Okay. It starts, the story starts with a closed door meeting 
of the highest Salarian military and political officials, uh, among them Councillor Valern. And uh, there's a number of unnamed officials, but they all seem to have a say in how they should go about bringing back the deadly efficacy of the genophage because the more because the Krogan are evolving. Uh, right. And Which we talked about a lot in the last week's episode. So if you've skipped ahead, you've missed that. You want to go, OK, wait, wait, Krogan are evolving. What does this mean? We discussed the science of that last week. Yes. Yes. So kind of some contextual knowledge necessary for then or for this episode. But they are getting briefed. All of these officials, they're getting briefed on the situation by none other than Dr. Morden Solis. He says Krogan need protection from themselves. Genophage will protect them, but not if it fails. Mm -hmm. Protection from yourself. Yeah, this this is one of those questions that comes up all the time in these kinds of things in in games like Mass Effect in stories and in history. But like whose right is it to make that decision for somebody else? Right. That's the big yeah. moral question there. Yeah. And that doesn't seem to be a hindrance to the Salarians at all. Like that's not discussed in this meeting whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not on the table for debate. They just know that but, they, they're going to do it. You know, to understand it, I mean, they've already established that they had the right to do it in the first place, right? And before then, they had already established that they had the right to uplift the Krogan. So, right, right. long history of Salarians deciding that they had, uh, you know, the right to preside over Krogan self, uh, not not governance, but I think you know where I'm self determination. Mm -hmm. But in this uh, situation, Morden has a very key role in this. He's the one talking to them through the details here. He's briefing them like yes. for some reason, he's the guy they chose to do this, right? He does. And, and several hundred years have passed, by the way, since they implemented the original genophage several hundred years. If you consider that Solarian lifetimes are only about 40 years, that's a lot of generations of. Uh, so Morden is ultimately told they all agree He's told to get to work to make sure the genophage retains the same population stunting effect. Mm -hmm. So he develops this altered, updated version of the genophage for dispersal within a week. Yeah, but uh, but we've seen him we've seen him operate very quickly in the game or in the games, right? Like so, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. A, it's a big thing, but he he kind of he's. He pulls stuff out of his button in experiences beyond just the comics, right? True. And then he cures the genophage in Mass Effect 3 in like, I don't know, a matter of a month. Right. It just uh, like, yeah. So a week doing something like that. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that also so, establishes the time frame before the curing and why he may have been so uh, been the right person to figure that out is he was already yes. doing this work. He had the contextual knowledge necessary. Yeah, certainly. And so he finishes this modified genophage, which is basically circumventing the Krogan genetic mutations uh, for immunity, and he's making it more deadly again. In, in the in the war against viruses, Morden was on the side of the virus. So <laughs> right. let's just establish that right now. Right. While on a mission to Tuchanka to test it on a remote Krogan colony, he and his STG squad encounter a storm. This is a metaphorical storm. I mean, a literal weather event, and it forces them to to land in this chasm between these canyons so that they have a safe space to deploy this device. Mm -hmm. It's not entirely clear when all this is taking place, but it's worth noting that Morden still looks more or less the same 
as we see him in the games. Counselor Valern is the counselor that was presiding in that meeting earlier. That's the same counselor we meet in Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Salarians only live about 40 years or so. So this had to have been within the past few decades. Yeah. That was something that I didn't realize until I was reading this comic, that this modification had to have been within Shepard's lifetime. Yeah, very recent. Uh, so it, the, the only difference in Morden's appearance that we can see in the comic is he has both his horns uh-huh. and no facial scars. Uh-huh. I've seen pictures of that, and that is a little weird, but right. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll we'll get to how he gets those, but but he still talks with very much the same cadence. You know, although he's really the only Solarian on his squad that talks like that, dropping nouns and articles where he can in the sake of efficiency. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it 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 increases the the pace at which he's talking which communicates that he has a very fast metabolism of course but also a fast mind right uh and he's all about efficiency so back to the scene on tuchanka this stg squad lands and they plan to deploy this device with a sample of the modified genophage to test on the remote colony but they start hearing this thump 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 they're like what is that what could that possibly be so they they go to investigate only to find that it's a female krogan with a huge hammer uh trying to summon Kalros, the <laughs> mother of all thresher maws uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah my, my gut's like um yeah there's, there's something going on with the thresher mall here so yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's very it was walking right into it the thumping and the percussions they end up sending debris down and into the team the krogan spot them and the cover's blown and so Morden's captain decides to distract them. Morden is not the leader of the squad, by the way. So his captain decides to distract them and tells Morden, get everyone back to the shuttle now. Morden doesn't listen. Uh, instead, <laughs> he delegates orders to the rest of his men and takes it upon himself and his assistant, Malon, might sound familiar, to deploy the modified genophage sample. Mortif- Morden justifies his disobeying these orders to save his squad uh he justifies it to his assistant malin as quote in science risk necessary <laughs> failure failure is not that's <laughs> okay. my more impression I, I, yeah i guess i have science, to talk a little quick you have to be a little a little higher in your voice it's <laughs> in it's, science risk necessary failure not yeah it's 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 a little more nasally yeah, yeah. um, um <laughs> so this quote, this this quote is important and keep it in mind. Uh, it's going to be important for probably the next two episodes that we talk about Morden. The male Krogan who were guarding the female have now been killed. And the female Krogan, uh, and by the way, I kind of doubted Morden's combat prowess until I read this comic. And he kills one of the male Krogan. He's about to get squashed from behind. Uh-huh. And he just has this like spidey sense where he jumps up and he bounces over the back. He like does this flip in the air, bounces over the back of the Krogan. And if you remember, there's a little soft spot behind the faceplate of the uh-huh. Krogan. Yeah. Where he brings out an Omni blade and just sticks it in and rips. Oh man. I know. <laughs> I know. And it's like this, it's, it's this insane move that I've never seen uh, Morden do in the games before. And yeah. then he says, <laughs> As he's standing atop this dead Krogan body, he says, mind over mass, unfair odds, never saw it coming. Good to work looms again. 
<laughs> and the whole time, I'm just thinking, Jesus Christ, that's Jason Bourne. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I feel like the the authors of the comic had some fun with this. They're like, yeah, oh, good, we definitely. get to do a Morden comic. Let's uh, let's spice it up a little bit. <laughs> let's let's spice it up a notch. Um, and so so the the male Krogan are killed, and the female Krogan is the only one left. She approaches Morden and Malin wielding this same giant hammer now looking like it's a weapon uh and morden confronts her to buy time for malin to arm the device to get it all set up mm -hmm. and the female krogan challenges morden's ideology of krogan becoming a threat to themselves and the galaxy if left unchecked all would suffer morden says if krogan are left unchecked so she counters suffer what do you know suffering? Have you watched a thousand children die? Stillborn? Have you seen hope extinguished in the eye of a thousand mothers? When you look at us, you see only a threat. But I see my people, and they are suffering because of you. Yeah, he, he talks, he's talking generalities, and she's talking specifics about like yeah, personal experience and and the weight of that and like th one of the reasons why this debate is so difficult like many many good juxtapositions in fiction and games is that there's no clear easy choice there's suffering on both sides you, you like you're, you're you're it's a rock and a hard place decision basically right like either they they keep going at this at this point they keep going with the genophage right they make it worse mm. in order to protect everyone else with a what if scenario which according to their history has been proven that they know pretty much what to expect if they don't do this and they've already dug themselves in so the krogan are going to be pissed even if they fix it they're still going to be upset for all the all the torment they went through and then there's the actual suffering that's actually happening, right? And both things suck, absolutely. And so it's, right, and, it's not an easy decision. And Morden's a scientist. Morden is constantly preoccupied with models. Mo Morden, right. while an SDG operative, is often in the lab. He is looking at these simulations. He's looking at the models. Rarely does he get a chance to stare the consequences of his research in the eye. And so I feel a certain... Um, kindred spirit connection between Morden and like J. Robert Oppenheimer. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Cause it's not and, really real. It's all, it's all models and predictions and theoretical and, and as yeah. accurate as those can be, it is an entirely different feeling to see the consequences of your actions in real life. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a good comparison. Um, I, I, I think we also see some of that in his character development throughout the games, this idea of like, there are there are moments where he's just he's just working on his stuff. He's just in the lab. He's just doing his things. And then there are moments where he's confronted face on, especially with the whole genophage thing in, in three. Um, there's another there's another piece here that I find interesting about Morden. And you were talking about him being capable and, and defending himself from the Krogan and then killing him. Um, I, I think we tend to see him as the like nerdy, skinny, brainy guy rather than the fact that he's a freaking operative too right there's that like he we is. underestimate that side of him because because that's just the way society is like oh he's the he's the nerdy one he can't he can't do anything in a fight 
right? And Krogan regularly underestimate the Salarians too. So yeah. at least their their physical prowess. Right. And so, and I would say that the Salarians also underestimate the Krogan. In the, their ability yeah. to make moral decisions, in their ability to think for themselves, in all of these things. Like it, it's it's a shortcoming on both sides. Yeah, they they are they are judging an entire race that they have only known A when they needed them as soldiers, and B, they they're judging them with the entirety of their knowledge being post nuclear apocalypse <laughs> right. on their planet. Right. So I imagine if there were a nuclear apocalypse on Earth and not all humans died, and then another alien race came kind of came out of nowhere and said, We're gonna re terraform your planet and save you. Right. Right. Would uh, they look down on us? I think they would. I think they would. And then you all, even if you had to say yes, even if you were in a situation where you had to take that agreement and say, thank you so much for coming and help us, helping us, you wouldn't feel, it, it would still not feel right. There There'd would be, be a power dynamic for sure. It, it, would, feel, um, it would feel bad. Yeah. Not only that, but they, I don't think the Salarians have a good idea of what existing uh, political organization the Krogan had before this nuclear apocalypse. Of course, it was, you know, uh, brought on because of unchecked aggression. Uh, but they are also looking at a civilization that was nearly extinguished mm -hmm. and has been going through this Mad Max kind of social dynamic for right. hundreds of years. And they're judging their decision about whether to keep them fertile on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just think about human beings in our own history. How many terrible things have happened at different parts of history and in different times because of unchecked aggression or things that you could argue were the same thing. Well, those humans, yeah. you can't trust them. They're they're too violent. They're constantly fighting. They're they're causing wars. There's mass genocides of millions of people. Yeah, and then and then, you know, the aliens enact a sterility plague on us. Right. And I know right. it's not technically that, you know, the genophage, but for all intents and purposes, they do that. Do you really think that's going to stabilize Right. The, right. the uh, yeah. human. Yeah. Uh, Just move it out of that context of being aliens. Think about humans. Imagine imagine if aliens had visited our planet in 1945 and they just looked at the end of World War Two and they were like, wow, you definitely can't get along. Everybody's murdering each other. And not only that, but you're rounding up groups of people by the millions and, and destroying them. And we want you to be our galactic neighbors. How about we adjust you a little bit before we welcome you to the neighborhood. Right. Yeah. Um, Would have been crazy. All right. Yikes. Well, we've got more to talk about with Morden. Why don't we take a quick break? We're going to go thank our patrons and we'll be right back. I am so excited about our sponsor this week, Marvel Strike Force. I freaking love Marvel Comics. Growing up, I collected comics and the trading cards, and I've seen pretty much every Marvel movie they've made so far. So if you're into Marvel like I am, go check out Marvel Strike Force. This is a mobile squad RPG. You can collect and unlock all the different heroes. You fight against supervillains. There's a campaign. There's a blitz mode. There's an arena. There's a constantly evolving meta. And right now they're celebrating the Deadpool anniversary event. This is a mission from Strike where you log in the first time and you unlock this generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, a bunch of other items. It is absolutely the right time to jump in and try this game out. Click the link in the show notes to download it now and then use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, MAXPOOL. Don't miss out on all the free stuff and thanks again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Message coming in. Patching it through. 
I am sovereign, and this station is mine. I like the sound of that. All right, here we are in the middle of the show. Man, that got heavy, but it's a it's a heavy topic. Uh, you know, it's not heavy. Our patrons. Uh, that was not a very good segue, was it? But they're we 90% have 90% helium. <laughs> 90% helium. Uh, we have a new patron, Aaron J. Welcome to the Patreon. And Ed Boy upgraded to tier five Commander Shepard level. So welcome. Welcome to that tier, Ed Boy. And thank you to everybody who supports the show. All 72 of you currently. And our Shepard tier patrons get shout outs every week. We've got Colkishins, Ed Boy. Welcome to the group. Aaron J. Kira C, Lieutenant Ticino, Shep Vacarian, God, I mess that up every time, that's Vector J, and William. Thank you so much for being here and being a part of this. And I, I should have mentioned Aaron J also signed up at the, the Shepherd tier level. So thank you for doing that as well, even if that wasn't, even if you didn't stair step up to it, we still appreciate it. Also, we've got a new review. I don't know if you've noticed this new one yet, Sam. This one is from uh, Alan, <laughs> Alan Arkansas. It's all one word, but I think it's Alan. It's either Alan, Arkansas, or Alenar, Kansas. One or the I other. Like Alenar, Kansas. <laughs> Alenar, Kansas says, "Not only the best podcast on the Citadel, but also on the Nexus." I started Mass Effect Andromeda when it first came out because I loved the trailer and for it, and it gave me chills. I knew nothing about the different alien species and the past or why we did all this. I didn't even know Commander Shepard. Then, when the Legendary Edition came out, I played through it, but was still unsure about small things. This podcast does the best job at explaining all the history in the game and all the little details you can miss if you just focus on the main story. This podcast always makes me come back wanting more and more both Sam and Tom make the podcast fun and enjoyable while also keeping your attention in a great upbeat way. Keep up the great work. That will be all. <laughs> uh, but how crazy is that? They got in on Andromeda and then discovered the trilogy. I know a couple people who have done that. Uh, but you know, that is definitely the, uh, minority of players that I've noticed. Yeah. And yeah, looks like we have another review from bone chillin' bone chillin'. No, I don't see this one. It's not yeah. on my, my list yet. You want to read it out? Read this one. Yeah. All right. Go for it. Uh, it is a five star review. It says great podcast to listen to. If you want to dive into the Milky way, I've not been able to stop listening to this podcast since I heard two girls, one ship talking it up on their podcast. Hey, two That's girls. Another show. Yeah. on the robots network yeah uh, and i'm so glad i found a well-done podcast to binge i started listening a week and a half ago and i'm already at the blood pack episode wow it feels so long ago that we did that <laughs> wow i i don't even know what number that is but this podcast really helps paint a detailed picture of the complex tapestry that is mass effect and it has launched me right back into a playthrough of mass effect thanks for making the work days go by easier well, awesome. Thank you, Bone Chillin. Thanks, Bone Chillin, and hi to two girls. Um, so thank you so much for those reviews. If you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, a five-star review, we'll read it out on a future episode of the show. You can also rate us on Spotify. And if you're interested in the Patreon, you can sign up at uh, patreon.com slash Mass Effect Lorecast. We have incoming in the next week, just one week away, our patron chat on the 24th, because it's a very short month, because it's February. And I, I have made a point to say February from now on if you hear me say it that way it's because i've made a point to do so because it has a freaking r in it right Feb february Feb february february um, Reb February. yeah anyway well thank you to everybody and thank you for your support we really do appreciate it. all right let's get back to talking about morden here we go 
Spit it out, or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. All right. More Morden conversation. What else right. do we need this to know about this whole... Middle of this confrontation between yeah. the female Krogan and, and Morden. And she says to Morden, you know, uh, my people are suffering because of you. And he appears dumbfounded. He stammers, which is like unheard of with yeah. us our experience with Morden. he yeah. always has something he's got to a, say. a quick quip right, right ready to go every time here i am here's my response but not this time not this time he says i it's a difficult choice but and then he's interrupted by an explosion with debris collapsing on top of him and the female krogan female krogan dies his team uncovers him he's alive but now he's missing a horn and he has cuts to his face. Oh, so it so was that. Is, it was like this cave-in because yes, of the explosion. That, this is how it happens. So back at the shuttle, uh, Malon tends to him and asks about the female Krogan, saying she seems surprisingly reasonable. And, quote, <laughs> right? quote, I just wonder if we're doing the right thing. So this is the seeds of Malon's dissension from the rest of the uh, STG uh, you know, ideology of the genophage is good. Morden or Malin even then is questioning it. And ultimately we know in Mass Effect 2, he tries curing the genophage, but with these terrible experiments. But Morden counters and says, and if we don't, as in if we don't do the right thing, when Krogan outnumber every species, do you still think they'll be reasonable? Which again is speculative. Mm -hmm. It's highly speculative. Uh, and Malin says, I don't know, but how do you know they won't be? Yeah, it's hard not to identify with Malin in this scenario because he's being humble and honest in this counter. Right, right. Yeah, it's uh, like I said, it's a rock and hard place. Um, you, and But it, she is a good example of the counter argument, right? The they can be reasonable. They can be peaceful. There's more to them than maybe we suspect. Right. She's enraged because thousands she's had to see thousands of mothers have hope die in their eyes. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet she's still talking and, and trying to reason with with this Salarian who was about to deploy a device that maybe she doesn't know what it was, but just knows they're spies. Yeah. Yeah. Her first and, response is not to attack. Her response is to seek uh, understanding and yeah. potentially some sympathy, but understanding mostly. Yeah, and you know, probably just express verbal rage, like, "Yeah, screw you, buddy." Right, but uh, but she's a Krogan. She could have just like, you know, charged him into the wall or something, and she didn't. Right, she didn't. Um, so Morden says to in response to, "I don't know. How do you know they won't be? They won't be reasonable." Morden says, "Don't know. Outcome uncertain, but risk too high." Mm -hmm. And Malin counters, "I thought risk was necessary." <laughs> <laughs> right, because he says it earlier. It's right, the, because yeah. he says in science, risk necessary. Right. And then Malin throws his words back at him and says, I thought risk was necessary. So Malin's basically saying, Morden, you take the risks only when you deem them necessary. Mm -hmm. You don't deem the unhindered evolution of the Krogan to be necessary. He's challenging him why he thinks that way. Right, right. Using his, his exact same logic. It's turned around yeah. on him. Right. Which, yeah, which which to is, Morden is a very like that is that that's a hit, right? Like, oh, 
that was my logic. You used my logic, right? You're not going to make an emotional appeal so much as you're going to make a logical appeal. And then to use his own logic against him is even better than that. Yeah, he's basically forcing him into a corner to admit bias. Yeah, uh, is what he's doing. Right. And, and, and scientists don't uh, try not to be biased. That's, they try not to be. That's but part I of the method. Be honest with so many uh, friends that I have in STEM and so many, you know, as part of my day job, I interview a lot of experts in fields, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be STEM or the social sciences or what have you. Uh, and I, I have to say that intellectuals are still vulnerable to pride. In some ways, Absolutely. I think they might be more so because they spend so much time focusing on like a very narrow topic and becoming an expert in that, that I think sometimes along the way, some of these experts can lose sight of what they don't know. Absolutely. Uh, my wife works in science. We've talked about this before. And yeah, she uh, she talks about the same things with some of her co- colleagues. Not everyone, not everyone. And many of them fight it. They, they realize the the potential for becoming biased and, and for rooting on a certain solution or answer. And they have to. That's why the system, that's at least why our system, I can't speak for the Solarians, but that's why our scientific process in the academic sphere is designed the way it is. There is a ton of peer review. Yeah, that peer review that's where she is this weekend. She's actually on a trip. She's up in D.C. And part of why she's there, in fact, the whole reason why she's there and much of what she's doing is talking about other people, people's papers. And she's sitting on a panel of other scientists who all have similar expertise, but aren't exactly focused on the one thing that those papers are about and they're going through it and they're saying, okay, does this hold up? Does this stand up? Do they need more evidence? Do they need more proof? Are they, are they acting in a biased way with their interpretation of the results, all of that stuff? And so what, whereas individuals absolutely can be biased, the system is designed to try to weed that out. And that's why our system does work effectively, at least at this point still. As for the Solarians, I'm not sure how effective their system was at rooting out bias for the genophage. Right, right. Because it seems to be the uniform, politically accepted response, right? So how much voice would actually be given to those in dissent of it? I'm not sure. Right, probably because it was a political decision. It wasn't It wasn't the scientists making the decision as, as much as the pol- politicians and the military. They were at war, you know, they were at war when it was developed. So it would make sense why the political decision was handed down to the military. Hey, develop a weapon that can stop this now. Right, right. So it was Um, more engineering than it was science. And too much time in a lab for Morden, not enough in the field, perhaps. I think that this conversation with first the female Krogan and then Malin gives these seeds of doubt in his own logic. And I really think that this is where Morden starts beginning to think, maybe I wasn't right. Yeah, but he's prideful. Oh, sure. Yeah, he's very prideful. He's like Dr. House. He's (laughs) not going to admit that he's wrong. So he's, I think, thinking it inside, but he's not saying it to anyone else. He was so sure that genophage was the right course until he looked into the eyes of the population he was unleashing it upon. Whereas Morden may have been tempered in his resolve, though, from this whole scenario, Malin becomes more rigid from this experience, taking an opposite lesson that Morden uh, takes. You know, he's he's taking what Morden said, but he's not taking what Morden's learning. And that is that the means justify the ends. So in that way, I think that Morden feels responsible because he was Malin's teacher. 
and he feels responsible for leading Malin down this uh, reckless path of the means justify the ends as long as you deem the risk necessary. Right, right. Because isn't that, I mean, that just sums up the genophage right there. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think ultimately this whole, this whole back and forth over what happens, it manifests in Morden's mind as guilt because that's, I think, part of what drove him to open the clinic on Omega. To open yeah. this clinic and start treating the poor, the, you know, the untouchables of society. So it, it kind of appears, at least on the surface, as a uh, attempt at atonement. Right, right. Some form of redemption, some some act he can make in order to try to make things at least better, if not fully right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's this is Morden before the games. Next time when we talk about Morden, we're going to be talking about Morden during the games and his character development and all of that stuff, right? Yes, that's right. So I've already planned out that episode. We have a bunch of amazing clips. We're going to go through some of the things you may have missed in Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3 and specifically focusing on Morden's evolution from this um, diehard, prideful scientist who developed this weapon into what we see in Morden and Mass Effect 3 with the completion of a redemption arc. Yeah, he's, he's a very different person by that point. And it's 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 one of the reasons why the, the series is so good are these character arcs and all of that. So, yeah, looking forward to that. But next week we have our patron episode. So patrons, let us know what you guys would like to discuss. We can vote on it like we've been doing lately. Throw some ideas out there. We'll all get together on Friday night next week on the 24th, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. So if you can make it, we'd love to have you. If you aren't already a tier four or higher patron, you're welcome to sign up within the next week in order to join us. We'd love to have you as part of the chat. And uh, that's what that's what we got coming up. Sam, you got anything else going on? Yeah, uh, I do. I want to throw in one fun fact before we're done here. For anyone that was in love with the Scientist Solarian song, there's actually a reason why they chose that. They being the developers. Uh Um, The voice of Morden in Mass Effect 2 had starred in a, I believe, 1985 television production of Gilbert and Sullivan's Pirates of Penzance. That's hilarious. That is the piece that that song is taken from, the uh, model of a, a modern major general. I'd love to be a fly on the wall in the conversations. Like, did he walk into the studio to record and somebody was like, hey, it says on your thing you were part of this thing. And he's like, oh, yeah, I still remember the songs. And they're like, you do, do you? Huh? Okay. <laughs> I would have loved to have uh, yeah, heard that proposal. Um, and Morden mentions that he sings the patter songs, that they always chose him to sing the patter songs, which if you don't know what a patter song is, it's something that's um very tongue twisty it's very upbeat and fast and it's the fact that it's so fast with its cadence is hilarious that they would choose morden to sing it right i have to wonder if that's how the voice actor part of how he got the role was like we want somebody to sound like this can you do that and then he's like absolutely check this out (laughs) (laughs) check out this 1985 tv production so so he pulls in a vhs tape (laughs) he wheels in the cart Right. Uh, you know, that, that every teacher had with the TV on it. Yep. yep. Um, the old TVs. No. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I'm streaming uh, actually today, right after we're recording this, I'm going to be streaming more of my Andromeda playthrough, which has been like hell on earth because I chose to do Insanity and it is very hard. 
Um, I've been beating my head against a wall, so if you like to see that, uh, or if you want to see my continued neutral Shepard playthrough in Mass Effect 2 now, okay, get this. We are, I'm, I'm fully immersed in the apathetic neutral playthrough that I am <laughs> Wait, not <what>? doing. <laughs> You've become immersed in this? This is like, yes. this is super engaging. I would imagine it would, like, the assumption would be it's the least engaging version of playing through the game. It Well, that's the assumption, but I've never sure. done it before. Right. Because it, the game really pushes you to be Paragon or Renegade. Um, and I am so immersed in this that I've decided this Shepard is not going to do anything that is optional. He mm -hmm. just wants to go home. In fact, he's a little disappointed he was revived in the first place. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and so I am like eight hours, I think, into Mass Effect 2, and I've already completed Horizon. In fact, I've, I'm, I think I'm just an ep <laughs> like one mission away from doing the Reaper IFF mission and then like one or two missions from doing the suicide mission after Holy that. Moly. That's so I haven't quick. done any loyalty missions. I'm not going to do any that I don't have to do. Jeez. I feel like most people play like tens of hours. Definitely. Like just in a regular having, playthrough, right? I remember having a 50 hour Mass Effect 2 playthrough. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but even even if you aren't trying to do everything, you're still going to play 20 or 30 hours in order to get through it. Usually. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I am like taking this to the extreme and the level requirements are rubber banding me. So it's hard as hell. Um, but <laughs> I can't wait to see how terribly this turns out in the suicide mission because oh, I haven't God. done anything. And then how that how that plays out in three. Oh my, holy moly. It's going to compound. Yeah. Uh, anyway, if you want to see any of that, follow me on Twitch at in seven, the legend, uh, same handle on Twitter. Yeah. So yeah. Awesome. And by the way, if, if anyone, uh, friend requests to me, I've been getting some friend requests on steam because I have the same name on steam. If you friend request me on steam, please let me know that, that you have found me from the podcast because there's a lot of weird scammers yeah. out there and I don't, yeah. I don't want to accept every, at least reach request. out in some way and say, Hey, that's me or something. Yeah. 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 Um, the discord's the best way to do it. Just jump on the discord, tag us. We'll respond to things. It's probably the best way to stay connected and for us to verify like, oh, you're you're a real person. Um, also, Rob the Princess in chat says Morden reminds me of Wacko singing all the countries on Animaniacs. Oh, my gosh. Uh, that is a throwback. <laughs> I haven't heard in yeah. a long time. United States, Canada, Mexico, Canada, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru. I, I, only, I only know like the beginning part. <laughs> that was um, amazing. <laughs> I wish I could do the whole thing. I, I, I showed it to my son and was like, hey, you need to learn this whole thing. Um, but yeah, I've got my stuff over at robotsradio.net. So my other podcasts, if you're into Lord of the Rings or Elder Scrolls or or Starfield, which we're still waiting for news on any of that stuff, I've got podcasts for all of those things, a bunch of different lore casts and a bunch of other people in our community, like Two Girls, One Ship. It's one of the shows on the network. You can find all the links to that stuff over there and come join us on twitch.tv slash robots radio where we do with the live shows and uh, we'll see you all next week. Thanks for being here, everybody. Stay safe in that crazy galaxy and uh, try not to cause any genophages or whatever. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at MassEffectLorecast at gmail.com.